0: It's the book of Revelation. We have been waiting and here we are. And the book of Daniel in the Old Testament too. Is it the end of the world? And do we know it? And should we feel fine to quote an REM song? More importantly, to get into God's word today, grab a Bible, pull up a chair. We're looking at the apocalyptic literature, the Bible, as we read through the whole Holy Bible together. And I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the Pastor Mike Top Podcast. Uh, My co-host, Emily, is here. Hello. Hi, Emily. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm excited. This is good stuff, and and it's misunderstood so frequently uh, and misapplied, therefore, and causes lots of unnecessary fear. Mm -hmm. Although, on the other hand, we can get so aloof about it that we don't take it seriously, because there's some very serious things going on in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel, and there's there's definitely um, some connecting points between those two books, even though they were written yeah. centuries apart. Uh, and so, without further ado, because, I mean, people don't want our chit-chat today. They, they want to get right get into it. it. So let's introduce our, our distinguished panel yes. of pastors.
1: We have with us today pastors Richard Webb and Nick Brannan. Hello to you both. Hello. Are you Hiya ready there.
2: for this? Oh, we are so ready. I, I, I feel more ready sitting next to Pastor Richard. Yeah. And, and we both feel as, fine. Yes, it's that good. It's understandable. Forget, it's good to have the good doctor,
0: and good to have the brilliant Pastor Nick as well. And Emily, I will say just briefly, it does look like you and Pastor Nick are twins separated yes. at birth, and you noticed that walking
2: in.
1: Yes, it's it, a good thing. I actually had
2: a, an apocalyptic prophecy that, <laughs> that said wear burgundy. No, I'm just kidding. just kidding. Yes. Did not. That's that's a bad pastor joke, in case you didn't notice that. That's not a real pastor. Actually, that's
1: your second of the day. He already had one of those earlier.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank Mm -hmm. you. Maybe it's just a dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get right into it. Ted Lasso, help us out. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, I should have saw that coming.
1: Okay, we got some good ones today. What do you want Bible readers to know about Daniel chapters one through six that will help them get the most out of these fascinating and colorful stories?
2: They are fascinating and mm-hmm. they are colorful. And mm-hmm. oftentimes when you, if if you grow up in, you know, uh, vacation Bible school or you grew up uh, going to Sunday school or uh, Hope Kids here at Lutheran Church of Hope, a lot of times you'll see stories like Daniel in the Lion's Den, yep. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in mm-hmm. the Fiery Furnace. These stories, they're so vivid and they're so, so uh, memorable that even from uh, children to adults, they are very, very meaningful. And one of the things that I think is really, really important is to see what is the. why do we have multiple stories in one book saying all these things? Is it just because it's what happened? Or is there something that's trying to be communicated? And I, I think there is yeah. something that's trying to be communicated. And specifically, that is that God shows up where we least expect him to show up. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. shows up in the middle of exile, even when when uh, God's people were sent by God into exile, Mm -hmm. God still shows up among his faithful people. people. Surprise. God shows up in the dreams and even the dreams of, of evil political leaders and he's using them not being used by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so God shows up and he's like the stone that that shows up in this dream. He shows up in a fiery furnace. You wouldn't expect him to be in a fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. And so we see the the nature and the character of God showing up in the lion's den. We see a God that shows up and that is so meaningful, especially to the original readers of this oh, prophecy, mm-hmm. because they were in a place where they needed to know that they had a God that would still show up for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we have a God that shows up and a God that is more powerful than all those people that are more powerful than God's people. Mm-hmm. And so those uh, political leaders and, and figures that they were facing uh, that were causing them to have lots of strife and struggle, uh, knowing that as they struggled with those things, those stories showed that they have a God that's bigger, that's more mm-hmm. powerful, that they can yeah. depend on. Yeah. That's, that's something to to keep in mind as you read these stories. They're not just nice little stories for kids. Mm-hmm. They are meaningful stories for those that are going through it.
0: You mentioned mm-hmm.
2: it right up front that, you know, in this,
0: these first six chapters of Daniel are some very familiar stories. Daniel in the lion's den being the most famous, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace close behind uh, the familiarity is great. One of the great things, though, about reading through the whole Holy Bible together is we start to see these familiar stories now suddenly in context. Mm-hmm. Not just the context of Daniel, like reading all 12 chapters of Daniel this week, but also in the context of the other prophecies, the other Old Testament books that we've been reading around it. And we've talked a lot over the last few well, months even about the Babylonian exile and the fall of Judah and Israel, and you know the divided kingdom, and how God's people are forced to leave home and Jerusalem and surrounding areas to go into modern-day Iraq and some other areas that where Babylon is is taking them. This is the context for Daniel. This is the mm-hmm. con that he was one. He, a descendant of royalty, King David's royalty, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as well, but Daniel. And so these are four of the men chosen by the king of Babylon to say, okay, well, I'm going to have some of you come here and we're going to try to take your history, your heritage, your religious tradition out of you. Right from the beginning, Daniel's like, no, this is what I eat. I don't eat the stuff you want me to eat. I don't eat the candy and the cake and and all the junk. I'm on a pretty strict diet, and I'm not going to get you to change that. And there's there's that tension all the way through where it's, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned this too, Pastor Nick. So there's worldly power, and there's worldly forces, and there is no greater worldly force on planet Earth than Babylon in this particular time. And then there's... God's kingdom. Yeah. So contrast God's kingdom with worldly kingdoms. Yeah. And you really have the plot here. You, you, For all these different stories, it's the powers of this world are like, well, of course, we can tell you to do whatever we want. And then people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, too, stand up and say, "Ah, eh, not so fast. Yeah. Actually, our God and his kingdom is greater than you and your kingdom, no matter how powerful you pose and pretend to be. Uh, and each of those situations it I, I think that 's worth noting, oh huge one of the things that
3: that I caught is that um, not only is he with his people in the time of trouble, but he 's working through his people mm-hmm. and, and and nebuchadnezzar doesn 't know it when he, he, he you know when God gives over the the Israelites to him. Um, which is also an, an interesting way of describing right. it. He thinks he took them, God gave them, and, and there's some fun word plays. But, so who has the power? Yeah, exactly. But all the way through, God takes Nebuchadnezzar on a journey, and by the time you get after like four of these stories, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is saying. I praise and honor and glorify the king of heaven all his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. And he's talking about himself here. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar begins to worship the God of Israel, and yeah. isn't that fascinating?
0: Well, they're humbled. I mean, yeah. you know, if if three men survive a fiery furnace, mm-hmm. you got to ask
2: why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: if, if Daniel survives a lion's den, you got to ask why. But mm-hmm. it,
2: it also is uh, an echo back to the exodus. It because is. Because you, you yeah, think, good. and actually before the exodus, even even to think Joseph, uh, so Joseph, he he uh, is in an exile of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. And he's uh, uh, abandoned by his brothers. He's not home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets sold into slavery, goes through all this stuff, but he ends up in the palace. Yeah. And he's an advisor to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. We have a new Pharaoh now yeah. that we're dealing with. Now it's Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And so Daniel is mm-hmm. advising Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel is is bringing i mean joseph brought about peace for god's people in the middle of egypt that paved the way for moses for the exodus now we have a joseph or we have a new joseph we have daniel who brought about safety and security for god's people yeah. in the middle of exile yep. paving the way for leaving exile and this isn't just
0: interesting history. This yeah. is for us, too, when we feel like we're up against it or the forces of this world are bigger than mm-hmm. yeah. the power of our God. God wins. God, And, and that's yeah. not just here in Daniel. We're going to point to that when we get into the book of Revelation in yeah. just a few minutes here, too. It's interesting that we're reading Daniel and Revelation at the same time, because the theme definitely transfers uh, from Old to New Testament and right then into our daily lives mm-hmm. into the, to the 21st century. It's fascinating to me that in each of these cases, these faithful people are truly up against it. God prevails. And it feels like then the first six chapters of Daniel, if, if we're reading it uh, just first time through, and the last six chapters of Daniel, chapters 7 to 12, are totally different. Like okay, here's the action adventure stories. Mm -hmm. This could be an Indiana Jones, you know, sequel. Uh, All the different things that are happening, and it's 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 interesting to see the kings' reactions Mm -hmm. and how they get humbled along the way, and God's people get raised up, uh, which fits with Jesus saying, "The humble be exalted, the exalted will be humbled." But then you get into chapter seven and you move forward, the rest of you like, what are we doing here? <laughs> now there's a hint of it because Daniel's interpreting dreams too in yeah, the first six yeah. chapters, but now he's getting big apocalyptic visions, Mm -hmm. Book of Revelation style visions. Mm -hmm. Actually, Book of Revelation is Daniel style visions uh, because which one came first? Mm -hmm. And so with that, we'll move right into the second question.
1: I want to add one thing. You guys are talking about how in those stories we're seeing that God is with them in what they're in. Mm -hmm. There's this post that I keep seeing around social media, and I don't know the original source, and so I'm sorry about that. But it says, Take the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God did not spare them of the furnace. He spared them in it. Nice. Whoa, Daniel, yes. who was not spared yep. of going to the lion's den. He right. was spared in it. And so think about how to, how that relates to us is like all the times that you're just in it. We don't know why, but mm-hmm. God is with you in those places.
0: Emily drops so, yeah. the spare. mic again. Yes. Well, yeah. it's well, some well, other post. But, no, but, but it's true because mm-hmm. God's not always going to protect us from the thing, Yeah, mm-hmm. but he'll be with us in the thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's good. What's the purpose of Daniel's mysterious apocalyptic prophecies? Are they written for God's people enduring exile in Babylon or for us as we ponder the end of days? The short
3: answer is yes. Um, (laughs) Let me just unpack apocalyptic for a second. Uh, Apocalyptic literature uh, or the form, this is a way of writing or or translating what God has told you. Uh, The word uh, literally, I think we heard this this weekend. It literally means to take the lid off. Um, and, 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 and so, or to reveal or uncover. So these visions Daniel is getting are meant to uncover what God is doing in history. Mm-hmm. Um, you just talked about, you know, God doesn't sometimes deliver you from the fiery furnace, but he delivers you in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the setting for these is God's people are up against it again. Uh, no surprise. And, and, and so we're, we're getting words of comfort. And we're also um, getting words of, hey, you're going to do more than just survive this. I'm going to work through you, even though you think you're insignificant and beat down. But that whole promise I gave, you know, great, 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 grandpa Abraham and great, 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 great grandma Sarah about being a blessing to the nations. I haven't forgot about that. Mm. So that's all in here. So we have this over the top language that describes what God is doing. And even though the language is over the top, the reality behind it is even greater. So... I want to just talk about the multiple audiences just real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's about four. The one would be the folks who are exiles, right? Then and there. And at this point, they're in Persia. I would think that's roughly when the visions are happening. So these prophecies are for them. Yep. And they're also... And they're also going to be, um, I believe, uh, for Judah when they're under Mm -hmm. the Greeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see this when we see the temple and the pig getting slaughtered in the temple, which is historically what a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes did. And then we got first century Jews, because Jesus is running around naming himself after one of the characters in the vision, a son of man. Mm-hmm. And, and by then, that was interpreted by the people of the first century as the Messiah. So, Jesus is essentially calling himself God and the Messiah. And then, not only that, but us... We've kind of already, um, Nick, you already talked about this. That is, you know, where does the shoe fit? And we see here, I got some quick themes. One is the nations of the world will constantly rise up and persecute God's people or try to thwart God's um, dreams for humanity. Uh, the other is ultimately they'll be taken to court. There's a courtroom scene where all these beasties are tried, found guilty, and punished. Um, and then the other is God's people will get vindicated, restored, and then God will keep working through them to achieve his ends of restoring everything. Um, and, and those are important is, is that even when we're getting kicked in the teeth, God is still flowing through us to change hearts just as he changed Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think in a lot of ways, these apocalyptic genes are are summarizing the stories in, in one through six. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, chapter seven, as you alluded to so well, Dr. Webb, brilliant summary, uh, the The vision is there's a lion, there's a bear, there's a winged leopard, there's a super beast, if you will, and then there's the son of man. And we'll yeah. get to that yeah. when we get into Revelation 1, which is fascinating mm-hmm. that there's that connection there and it's, and it's deep. But then in verse 17 of Daniel 7, part of this vision, these four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. But in the end, the holy, listen to this verse 18, but in the end, the holy people of the most high God will be given the kingdom and they will rule forever and ever. It's now and it's future and it's future and it's future. Again, yeah. th- these four beasts, I mean, the vision says it right there in Daniel. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about four different kingdoms, which will rise up, which will intimidate faithful people, which will make faithful people think like it have no hope. The revealing, which you said, Pastor Richard, the, the what apocalypse really means is a revealing. It's like, you know, on on social media, uh, somebody says, well, it's the big reveal. You know, mm-hmm. are, are yeah. we having a boy or a girl? And <laughs> it's, so it's a reveal. You don't know or the world mm-hmm. doesn't know until you know. Yeah. Well, what Daniel's doing, what the apocalyptic literature and scripture is doing, what Revelation does... Literally, revelation means reveal, mm-hmm. yeah. is revealing, here's what is coming. Here's, yeah. This is a boy, this is a girl on social media is the reveal. Now, here's what's coming. Well, to sum it up, God's going to win. <laughs> all, all the intimidators and impostors of God who flex their muscles are not going to win. And that's true for the exiles. Mm-hmm. And it's true for others who will be reading this timeless text yeah. in future kingdoms where they feel like uh, God's losing, we're done. God doesn't lose. God no, wins. No, no. So it would be good if we stuck with him. Yeah. You think.
1: <laughs> okay. According to Revelation one, who wrote this letter? Who received it? Why was it written? What kind of literature is it? And why do the answers to these questions matter?
0: They matter a lot. Uh, John wrote this letter, but he didn't just sit down and say, Oh, here's, here's this dream I had. It came in, in a process. So Jesus gives it this revelation, this vision to an angel. The angel gives it to John. John writes it down specifically for seven churches. We'll get to that a little bit later too, specifically. And then through those seven churches, it comes to all of us too, or or you could say from Jesus through John to us, but with a, with a pass through at least those seven churches in first century Asia. That's worth noting just so that we get our bearings. But that's who wrote the letter. That's who receives it. It's, it's them and it's us. Why was it written? Hope. Yeah. We, our world needs hope. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah. need to hear the good news that the revealing... Now, I don't want to sugarcoat that and say, oh, all's well that ends well. Because as the revealing is revealed, it also shows there's going to be suffering, there's going to be sacrifice, there's going to be tribulation, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be challenges. But what that does is it's it, it reminds us just how real God is. Mm-hmm. God is saying, I am with you, not just on the mountaintops, but in the deepest, darkest valleys of mm-hmm. the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. You can't get into a place that's so uh, despairing in this world that God won't come and, w- and won't give us that hope. So hope isn't, hey, let's just try to avoid, Emily, as you were saying mm-hmm. earlier, let's just try to avoid the lion's den or the fiery furnaces of life. Yeah. Hope is... Because you can't yep, because you will have uh holiday seasons that that we're moving into right now where you just dread every part of it that's mm-hmm. hopefully a minority of people who are hearing this right now, but it's somebody who's hearing this right now, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. like, you know while well, everybody else is really excited and fa la 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 here here we go i 'm just it's, it's it's really hard seasonal depression too mm-hmm. settles mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. good reason. We have hope. That's why this was written. What kind of literature is it? It's apocalyptic. We've already talked about that with Daniel. Why do the answers to these questions matter? Well, because Mm -hmm. God wins and those who keep the faith in this God are going to win too. Even when it looks and feels like we're losing uh, and we're living in poverty and we're oppressed as Christians, Mm -hmm. Revelation says, look closer. Mm -hmm. Look closer because I, I will tell you stories or I'll give you visions and dreams that will make Make you start to go, oh, well, it could be worse <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on one hand. But our hope isn't just, oh, it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. Right. Our hope is the victory that's coming. It's also important, I'll just add this one last thing, why it matters. I think it's what a gift God has given us that we know how the story ends. Yeah. Mm. That we don't have to sit around and go, ah, I hope... I, I got not hope that 's assured in the promises of Christ, mm-hmm. but hope that 's more like a wish upon a star. I certainly wish that God would do something, and i 'd like that he he mm-hmm. might mm-hmm. but revelation is saying he will oh, yeah. a- and and you have god 's word on that you have god 's promise on that mm-hmm. evil will be erased, death will be destroyed, justice will be done. So make sure you're on the side of justice. Ma- make sure you're on the side of good, not evil. Make-, yeah. make
2: sure that you trust
0: that even in the face of death, it's not the last word.
2: And, and I like that you're pointing to hope because I think a lot of people, what they want when they read Revelation is they want peace mm-hmm. for the trials and tribulations that they're going through, like the people that received the, the actual book. But hope is hope in God, not control through, oh, if I just get all these little religious symbols and I puzzle piece it all together, then I can blame this person politically, or I can do this or that. There's some, there's mm-hmm. some ways that this book of the Bible has been misused or mm-hmm. used to uh, really abuse. It's been used to say things that mm-hmm. weren't true. And there's tons of people that that, you know, someone said, hey, this is the date, I calculated it, I read this in Revelation, and this is the exact date, which, of course, they forgot to read the multiple verses that point to, you can't do that Mm -hmm. in the Bible. And and yet, there are people that have, as a result, lost Mm -hmm. trust in -hmm. the leaders of the church, in those that interpret the scriptures. And so, knowing that information Mm -hmm. is a really important part of understanding this biblical book, God's Word. It's God's Word for us, and it's a... Yeah, it's a harder mm-hmm. one to understand mm-hmm. than some of the other books. It is. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. So if you if you're reading through this and you're like, I feel intimidated by Revelation, you're not alone. Yeah, uh, I feel that way. I feel that way all yeah. the time. I'm, you got friends. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, I'm glad I'm sitting next to Pastor Richard because there's a few things I'm like, Hey, what's this mean, Pastor Richard? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Uh, But it is important to know, wait a second, Mm -hmm. what is apocalyptic literature? Who is John? What is the deal Mm -hmm. with this book so that we don't go off the rails? Richard,
0: I want to hear from you on this in just a second, but just as a quick point, because Nick, you said something Mm -hmm. really important there. As we read Revelation, what Jesus gives the angel, who gives it to John, who gives it to us and the seven churches and all churches, because seven Mm -hmm. represents all, what is coming to us is an assumption from John, whether he's Mm -hmm. the apostle John uh, or he's uh, an evangelist John or different John, same John, really not important. What's important here is that this is God's word Mm -hmm. and it's in scripture and we trust it. But the the point being here is John is assuming that you either know scripture or you're going to look it up. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these things where people are like, well, what's... What's with the beast and what's with the dragon and what's with the four horsemen? What's with the what, what's with the crowns and what's with the thrones and what, what what's going on here? Yeah. If you actually know your Jewish scriptures, your Old Testament scriptures, it's all almost all there oh, yeah. and it's all laid out. Like Daniel, we got a sample of it as, mm-hmm. as we started this podcast. Daniel has some visions and dreams about some of these things that end up in Revelation. So Revelation is doing a lot of. Pulling from mm-hmm. Old Testament prophecies and now putting them together in a bit of a new way, mm-hmm. a- and and doing it in a revealing way. But I think that that's fascinating. So it's going to take a little more work. Yeah, yeah. You, Nick, you said it's harder to read Revelation because we can't just read it like we would read, um, you know, a Psalm or, or something. just like a song. It's like, oh, this is nice, and it's clear what the meaning is or, mm-hmm. or the purpose of the poetry is or the lyrics mm-hmm. of that Psalm that song. But as we read Revelations, I, I, I got to either just say, I don't get it, or I got to look it up. Yeah, I, yeah. I got to dig a little deeper.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, in fact, I just want to dig a little deeper in the first couple of verses. The first thing it says is a, re- a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, interesting, and this is where we get a little geeky, the word of can also mean from yep. and about. And, and this gets repeated because we also have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so, we have something that's been revealed by Jesus about Jesus, and it turns out to be also the story from Jesus about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Yeah, it's all about Jesus. going over, over. And then it says... But that's oh, the big point in Revelation. Yeah. So, if, you, if, if people are reading it and they exclude Jesus, boy, have they been misreading this thing. Right.
0: Yeah, our hope is not, Mm -hmm. when I said the whole theme of Revelation is Mm -hmm. hope, our hope is not we're going to get it all perfect. No. Our hope is Jesus. Our hope has a name, as the song goes, Mm -hmm. and his name is Jesus. And that's exactly what the first couple of verses of Revelation tell us.
3: Oh, huge. And then I, I love this. This got pointed out to me a couple of days ago. And then it just says right there, when they're talking about him, he loves us. Yeah, So that means that... Everything you see there is ultimately bracket under, this is about Jesus, this is from Jesus, and this Jesus is love. Yeah. Mm.
1: Good. We could ask a lot of what's going on questions. So here's (laughs) one. Uh, What's going on in Revelation 1, verses 12 through 20? Who is the formidable son of man? And how does this phrase connect to our Old Testament reading in Daniel 7, verse 13?
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. This is the first place we get psychedelic, you know, where we get this, this view of this guy with
0: white hair and yes. flames and you name it. Should we it. put some 60s hippie music oh, on in the background? Oh, absolutely. You know, Lucy and yeah. this guy with Diamonds. No, no, maybe not. Whoa! yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Reel it in.
3: I know. Okay.
2: Um, <laughs> that was fun. Um, Got to be careful with symbolism. Yes. yes exactly. Talk about symbolism right, or kind. the Beatles. <laughs> Back to Revelation 1. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
3: But you have this crazy over the that's top awesome. imagery, mm-hmm. and it looks a whole lot like what you see in Daniel, but also in Ezekiel. So, once mm-hmm. again, in order to understand this, we got to do our homework. Well, we get a, a, a nice help, and that's the phrase, Son of Man. And this helps us kind of dive back into two places. One is, oh, Jesus called himself and Son of Man all over the place. But then there's also another one, and this is key. Because it, there's this, this vision, and, and often this is misread, where literally Daniel, as we talked about the four beasts in the courtroom and, 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 and the, the nations getting judged, but then it talks about a someone like a son of man, which actually literally means human being. Um, and they come on the clouds to the throne of the Ancient of Days, and then they are seated, the, the Son of Man is seated at the right hand of the Ancient of Days, and then it literally says, He has given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would worship Him and serve Him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And at this point, you have stereo because you're getting not, you know, if you've been reading your Bible, going, that sounds like Philippians 2. Oh, wait, that also sounds like half revelation. And you're right. It, yeah, mm. it does. And oh, that sounds like the gospel of John. And oh, that sounds like, and oh, that sounds like. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is by the time of Jesus when Jews read this, they were looking forward to someone who had been appointed by God, who was going to do what none of them could do, and that is solve the problem of evil once and for all. And he was kind of mysterious, because while he seems to be distinct from God, he's also worshiped like God. And, And that's a thought category that runs all the way through the Old Testament, and well, it starts making sense of Jesus. And so this theme is being brought back into revelation as one who is like who seems to be like God, but also God Himself is going to do some
0: stuff. For the longest time, I always thought Son of Man was just the flip side of this coin for Son of God. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. so Son of God means Jesus is divine. Mm-hmm. Son of Man means he's human. And literally, that mm-hmm. is there's truth to that. Oh, yeah. Son of Man, as you said, literally means human. It means you are you are a person. But the way it's used in Daniel 7.13, the way it's used elsewhere, as you alluded to, and the way it connects then to Revelation 1.13, where it comes back, is it's like a son of man. Mm-hmm. So it's as if to say this dude that John's having a vision of, Jesus, this is is human, but here's the cool surprise mm-hmm. He's also God, he's also divine mm-hmm. because he's got the seven stars, he's got the seven lamps, the lights of the seven lampstands representing yeah, the yeah, churches yeah. are centered in him. They aren't, he's not there to try Mm -hmm. to fit into the, Mm -hmm. to the lampstands and into the stars. He's the owner of them all. He he's, he's the, he's the focal point. Everybody's looking at this son of man. He's the victor. He's the champion. And as verse 18, you know, every once in a while you can get into a conversation with somebody and especially this happens with, with guys playing macho cards and they're like, well, you did this, I did that. And, you know, you try to raise it. I, you know, it's funny, the longer you, you go from your high school sports career, the better it gets, uh, you know, as you tell the stories or the fish stories, the fish keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You can go back and forth about human achievement, human achievement, human achievement. And then you get to verse 18 and Jesus doesn't have to shout it, just humbly says, after he says, don't be afraid, because I'm, this is an intimidating vision. This is verse 17. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. And you want cred, I died and I'm alive again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's done that? Yeah, exactly. You know, I I I've I conquered the grave. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have real hope mm-hmm. for enemies, and we're not just talking about hope for overcoming some minor obstacle in life or even a major worldly obstacle. I can overcome death for you is what Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying. Mm -hmm. I died. I'm alive again. And not only that, I hold the keys for your life and death and potential resurrection. Wow. That's huge. So to call that power human is radical. It means God's become one of us. It's that Emmanuel language from the birth of Christ. And then the, so then son of man becomes kind of a beautiful hint of Jesus suffering of his uh, coming victory, Mm -hmm. which is a huge surprise Mm -hmm. because any other man or woman, any other human being who dies, that's it. End of story. Jesus, verse 18, I died and I'm alive again. Deal with that and deal with that kind of power and then look at me and realize I'm also human in addition to having that divine power which means I have authority. So now our hope, we start to realize, oh, mm. I'm not just hoping in another religion or yeah, some spiritual yeah. view of life. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping in a God who showed up with all of his power. Oh, this is so cool. Son of man, baby. Yes. <laughs>
3: this is so cool because I guess the consensus is this is written around 90. Mm-hmm. And, and so that means that there are people who could have seen that crazy young rabbi yeah. from Galilee. And so they read this. And they begin to think, oh my gosh, this, this is God almighty that I've been hanging around with, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 (laughs) you know, and, and and then the other is if if anybody was at the, uh, you know, anywhere near the crucifixion, uh, even if they overheard it, it would have just, you know, the, the great sorrow of, oh, this is all done. This is over. You know, they, they would have loved this person and now he's been brutally killed by the Romans. And all of a sudden the cover is lifted off and this failure turns out to be the foundation of his rule and power and might. And at this point,
0: there's a whole lot of head scratching going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to remember how big Jesus is. Yeah, yeah. As much as I love um, the really good versions of the life of Jesus, mm-hmm. the, the, the chosen is out now and yeah, we're all yeah. big fans, right? We, we it, it, Nothing's perfect. Anything that's human isn't mm-hmm. perfect, but it's really well done and it and it. Rev- it really brings a humanness to Christ. Like, here's, here's, here's a guy who laughs, and here's a guy who hangs out with his friends, and here's a guy who's very human, not in terms of sinful human, but human in terms of connecting. So, there's a God who relates to us as a human being. But every once in a while, Revelation is certainly a good place for that to happen as we look at what we're up against in this world And what we need to conquer what we're up against in this world, Mm -hmm. sin, death, the darkness of evil. Every once in a while, it's good to remember that Jesus is more than just my buddy. And and he's he's more than this guy who just, you know, likes to hang out with me. He is. Mm -hmm. He is that guy. But he's also the one who shows up who is divine. The one who is like a son of man is also the one who has the sword in his mouth, the Mm -hmm. double-edged sword, and is the judge of all things and is the one the light all points to and is the one who conquers the dragon and the beast that we'll read about later Mm -hmm. and is is the victor. So the point is, stick with him. Mm -hmm. Keep the faith in him. Mm -hmm. It's really important.
1: It is. What can we learn about church life and what God cares about most when it comes to church life from reading about the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3?
2: Well, just as a, a continuation of the thought that you, you just had there, Pastor Mike, the those churches were going through it mm-hmm. uh, just as we go through it in our life in different ways and shapes and forms. And as they were going through it, the guy that's standing in the middle of the seven lampstands, which is mm-hmm. representative of the church, which I love that imagery, by the way, it's almost like like Jesus... In the Holy of Holies of the temple, where they would have a menorah with seven candles, by the way, uh, or they would have lampstands. Mm -hmm. And so, as they had these lampstands in this this way of worshiping and being in the very presence of God, Mm -hmm. here is Jesus, the very presence of God, right here. And he is watching over his lampstands. He's watching over his churches. And I love what Jesus says Because it applies not just to these churches, it applies to all of us. Uh, And if you believe in Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ. And so, Jesus is saying this to you. He says, I know what's going on. Mm. He says it to every single one of them. I know what's going on. I see what's happening, where you are in your life. And that is just a really comforting thought Mm -hmm. to know that, you know, he is human. Yes. And so, we can get comfort from the fact that he is. Knows our experience, but he's also divine, mm-hmm. and we can get comfort from the fact that he knows the issues that we're facing are too big for us, and he knows how to deal with the issue mm-hmm. on his own. Mm-hmm. And so we get comfort on on two sides of that. And so I know what's going on. Jesus says to each of them, and then he says, "Here's some stuff that's good." It sometimes have you ever met people? Well, this is a silly question. I know you've met people. I've met so many people who. Really, they think that Jesus only thinks poorly of them. Mm-hmm. That whether it's personally or about uh, a group of people, Jesus just must not like us mm-hmm. entirely. Jesus points out good and bad that's going on in these churches, and so he says, "Hey, this is going well for you. You're persevering. You're you're working really hard. You have this going for you. Also, I want you to know there's some issues that you need to fix." Mm-hmm. In order to continue to persevere, and that's a good word for us. That Jesus sees the good in you and the good in me and the good in and uh, and not just individual church bodies, but in the church overall. I think in in our world, it's easy to say, "Well, look at this headline of this this church issue that came up somewhere," and oh man, uh, look at the numbers and what's happening and the decline of the church in America numerically and and all these things. Jesus sees more than just the stuff that looks rough. Mm-hmm. He sees the rough stuff. He sees the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And he has a plan for his mm-hmm. church, which mm-hmm. I find a tons of comfort in that. Uh, I have lots of friends that are uh, young adults who have, uh, they love Jesus, but they've decided, I just don't like church. They don't have any hope for church. They only see see the bad part of it. And Jesus says, I see both parts. I see the whole mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And that's the Jesus that invites us to be a part of his body and the hope that we have uh as as the church. And so uh, I love this this image of how Jesus he he knows what's going on. He knows what's good, he knows what's bad and he's leading us to where we're supposed to be.
0: I feel like this is such a um important challenge for us not just looking back on the churches then and judging and saying oh well, you know, they should have known better. Sort of like the way we look at the Garden of Eden story sometimes with mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. You know, mm-hmm. if they hadn't done that, then you know we'd yeah. all be okay. If these seven churches just knew what they were doing, they'd all be okay. Well, one of the things that I love so much about doing church together with you all, and um, as as in in this congregation called Hope, is never once have we ever th- thought for a second, oh, we've arrived now, mm-hmm. we we've we've mm-hmm. got it figured out, we. We don't make mistakes. We don't have any errors. We, And I think that that's really important. Um, the more a church relies on Christ for everything, mm. the less likely we are to fall in these ditches. So here's the things. You mentioned this, Pastor Nick. I, I just made a short little list of of. The big things is Jesus is talking through John, you know, revealing it to John through the angel. John's writing it down about these seven churches. Here's the things that make Jesus mad <laughs> in a church legalism. Uh, Ephesus was doing that. Yeah. See, you're right about a lot of the things you teach, but you don't, you don't have any love for the people you're teaching. You're, you're more concerned about telling them where they're wrong and where you're right. Got to avoid that. And, and these are just good reminders for us at Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where we slip into those ditches, we got to get out. Um, the the false teachers in Theatira, uh, like Jezebel, um, the rep for being alive, the reputation for being alive, but really being spiritually dead, and the wake-up call uh, in Sardis, the, my, the one that will preach the most, Laodicea, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out. I, you know, and the Greek is more... <laughs> Well, it's, 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 it's more graphic than that. It's, yeah, I just want to puke, you know, is, is what Jesus is saying. So enough of this lukewarm, I'm sort of in with Jesus, but I have other things in my life I'm more passionate about. I've got other things I'm, I'm really into more, which is a challenge for all of us. I mean, if we're going to be honest, instead of just going, yeah, those churches that do that. Are those Christians in those churches? Are those pastors in those churches that do that? And then the mirror gets right in my face. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. sometimes I could get a little lukewarm you know, and it, because I'm more worried about the Bears winning on a Sunday than than something I, I don't worry about that much anymore because it's not really very <laughs> possible. But it's easy to get lukewarm to start thinking other things are more important. And then, you know, on and on it goes. That Those are some of the highlights. So... Mm-hmm. I find this list to be humbling. I find this list to be encouraging. I find it to be both. Um, And I get pushed again to say, if we do anything really right around here, it's that we point to Christ and that we say, Jesus, you're our... It's not Lutheran Church of Hope in us. It's Lutheran Church of Hope in Christ. And I think that's the theme of Revelation all the way through. And the more we do that, the better this church is. Mm -hmm. One of the things I was looking at is the
3: notion of conquering and being victorious. And that's all the way through. And again, that would have been the language of Caesar and the Roman Empire. Um, and and, and you know, in other words, we're going to conquer, we're going to dominate, we're going to be victorious. And yet, if you look at all of these, uh, in one way or another, Jesus is inviting every one of them, stick with me. Yeah. Uh, even when it says, repent, in other words, come back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- one of my favorite is with, with Sardis, where it says, you have a reputation for being alive. You've got a good rep, but you're dead. But then he says, wake up. And and it's interesting because the word for wake up and resurrection are the same in the original language. And you know who can wake you up? Only Jesus can. Yeah. So once again, he's saying, come back to me. I'll wake you up.
0: Even from death.
3: Yeah. 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 And, and so this is why also why we don't judge people because God's not done with them yet. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grace is big.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: What does Revelation four and five reveal to us about heaven?
0: You know, as good as the first three chapters were. Um, talking about the seven churches in chapters two and three. Chapter one being a big, loud introduction. Mm-hmm. Like here comes lampstands and stars yes. and, Jesus, and the son, one like the Son of Man, and <laughs> you know it's like this explosion at the beginning. It's like going to see a fireworks display, and you are like the beams. Wow, that was incredible! And then all of a sudden it gets bigger. That's what happens in chapter four. So now that you start to realize, oh, the first three chapters are just an intro, and then the next two chapters kick it up. 100 notches, and then just to tease next week, chapter six and following kicks it up even more. Oh, yeah. But this is the first, this is the way chapter four starts. Then I look, this is John writing, this is what the angel is showing me that Jesus revealed to the angel. I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. How does a voice speak like a trumpet blast? Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people as you read this, Mm -hmm. don't get hung up on trying to figure out what it all means the first time through. Just read it and just let you, this is for your imagination more than your intellect. This is is a dream. This is a vision. This is apocalyptic literature. It's not going to totally logically make sense any more than my dream last night Mm -hmm. did, you know, where you're trying to pass a final and you weren't Mm -hmm. ready for it or something you know (laughs) and 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 things aren't linear and they they don't always add up Mm -hmm. well that's not the point here is to try to make something logical out of this it's let your imagination soak in this for a while Mm -hmm. let it be big let it be let it be more art than science let it be let it be poet poetic let it let it let it wow you Now you're getting a glimpse, a true glimpse of heaven, because we cannot intellectually take an architectural drawing and say this is what heaven's going to be. I think Mm -hmm.
1: that's so helpful because otherwise it's kind of stressful. You're like trying to figure it out. You don't know what they mean, Mm -hmm. but if you're just supposed to have the intent of like be imaginative, you're
0: walking. You're walking into. Alice in the Wonderland here. Yeah. You're you're walking into 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Not the first part of the movie where it's all just a bunch of movement and drama and action and dialogue, but the back half of that movie where it's like, what is going on? <laughs> yes. and- this is just mind-blowing, wild stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... What's starting to happen bigger and bigger as as the crescendo builds, the fireworks keep getting Mm. bigger. My wife and I have this joke whenever we go see a fireworks display because she loves them and I think they're okay. (laughs) And so when they start, um, and I'm always, the joke is I always lean over to her, I'm like, well, that's got to be the finale. Mm -hmm. That's like, because it's my hope. (laughs) That'll be it and we can go. Then she's like, this is not the finale yet. And that's kind of how Revelation builds. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But it's rich, it's awe-inspiring, and there's so many, there's just images and things. Don't be scared of the images. Now, there's there's some things that they represent that are not comfortable. And again, I'll say it, there's sacrifice involved here, there's things that we have to go through, there's tribulation, all that's there. But the main point is still that in the midst of all that, no matter how chaotic your life gets... Mm keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith because God's going to win. And then there's this other thing, since it's a glimpse of heaven and it's a glimpse of the throne room in heaven. Well, what does that make us think of? Mm-hmm. For anybody who's reading this in Roman occupation, well, the throne is Caesar's. Yeah. The throne is, it's so Babylon is gone now and now Rome is in charge and there's a Caesar and there's nobody greater than Caesar. And Caesar even kind of thinks he's God and people revere him almost as God-like. And so, Revelation is contrasting that, saying, here's your Roman Empire, which intimidates you, oppresses you, and there's all sorts of imagery here to talk about that. And future, looking future forward, there's any of us who have to, around our world today, Christians are persecuted left and right for their faith by worldly powers. So, if that's the situation you're in, you could be intimidated by Caesar's throne room, but nothing compares to the heavenly throne room. If you want real power... It's Revelation 4 and 5. Look around. Mm -hmm. Let the vision, like, envelop you.
3: There is something something so cool. It's in chapter 4, beginning about verse 6. And this is this mashup. Mm-hmm. Of about three stories at once. And, and again, this is where, you know, especially if you like have a new international Bible, they'll have little footnotes that'll send you to these passages. Nice. But we, we have these four living beings and, and they're covered with eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, now you got Ezekiel mashup and then they're, they're like an ox or a human face or an eagle and in and, and, and a lion. Well, that goes back to Daniel and those were the nasty, scary nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're like, wait a second, we've got images of God and images of scary nations and then they got six wings. Now we're into Isaiah six. But it's like all these stories of this big, scary stuff. God has tamed the beast. Right.
0: It's a beautiful yeah. surprise.
3: Yeah. And the beautiful surprise is these scary people turn out not to go after us, but... But they bow down and they declare who God is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.
0: Which should remind us of a hymn or two. Yeah, you know, you, yeah, either yeah. the traditional holy, 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 hymn 165 in the Green Book, mm-hmm. or the we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet mm-hmm. of Jesus, which mm-hmm. is a more contemporary Christian song. Yeah. Where do they get that? Revelation four and five. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. It's not just somebody sat down and was like, oh, this would be a fun thing to write about. <laughs> Somebody's been reading the Bible yep. who, who's mm-hmm. been writing these songs. And so we sing them when we gather together uh, as, as children of God and, and worship. And worship mm-hmm. is, you know, we, di- we don't have enough time to dive into that. So we'll do that in the weeks to come as we mm-hmm. read through Revelation, how important worship is. And it's not just, okay, showing up and everybody's singing some songs. It's so much deeper than that. It's who we are. It's who we're wired up to be. I'll I'll save that for later. But Mm. look at verse 13, because there's not only this beautiful surprise that Jesus wins, but there's this other beautiful surprise that in this heavenly scene, suddenly we're there. Look look at this in verse 13. It's not just the angels and the 24 elders almost certainly representing the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. But it's now it's I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and we we, you could almost say, are singing yeah. together. And so this is where the revelation also is gonna mess people up who are trying to make it a beautiful linear timeline. Mm-hmm. Cause it's over now. We win, we're there, we're celebrating God for eternity in heaven, in worship and living the Garden of Eden life that we were intended to live from the very beginning. Thy kingdom come, it came, we're there. And all of a sudden, we're going to get next week back to chapter six, and we're not there yet. And so, mm-hmm. it, you know, round and round it goes. So beautiful surprise is you're going to get there. So the vision comes of like, let me show you how the story ends, and then I'm going to go back to where you are. Mm-hmm. And then, I'm, And again, it's good that we know how the story ends. It ends well.
1: Yes. How can our podcast listeners make any sense out of the wild visions and sensational imagery, angels, thrones, crowns, eyes, so many eyes, <laughs> yeah. a lion and a lamb, <laughs> seals, bulls, etc. in the book of Revelation? Did the and, eyes creep
0: you out a little bit? Well,
1: I just got over the Ezekiel eyes and then mm-hmm. we just had them like-
0: More eyes. You know? My wife's first yeah.
2: comment when she read that, Pat, she's like, why all the eyes? Yes. The eyes are kind of creeping me yeah, out. I'm well, a, a lot of people will say there's a lot of eyes because there's a lot of wisdom. Yes. There's a lot of perspective so uh in the in the ancient world, there would be um different uh, pagan gods that they would have multiple of different body parts to represent different things uh like fertility or strength or or all sorts of different things and uh and so that imagery mm-hmm. was imagery that would make sense to the original readers and I think that that's such a key part of trying to understand what in the world is this weird stuff about eyes or, or mm-hmm. whatever, you, you got to think, what did it mean to the person that read it first? Sure. What did it mean to them? To them, they had the imagery from the world that was in their present. They had the imagery from the world that was in their past. And that gave meaning from to the past, to the present, and to their future. Now, we're one step over where we get to look at the past, that was their future, the past that was their present, the past that was their past sure. in our present and in that points to our future collectively. Now that is, I, I even confused myself yeah, that saying was that. But that, was but cool. that, but that's, that's really what happens is that we are looking at the past, present and future kind of simultaneously. You mentioned it like, like a dream. And I, I liked how you said that to let your imagination run because the apocalyptic literature and all the symbolism it's designed to be experienced that way. It's not just, well, it's kind of hard to read, so you have to just let your mind wander. and then, Or if you just kind of squint, you, all the lines come together. No, it's actually designed to come together that way. Uh, and so you have to think, what? What, would, what did that mean to them? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. We're looking at it, wondering that. But they knew.
2: They exactly. knew. So when they saw or they see, okay, there's this person on the throne. He's shining. There's the rainbow. They're, they're getting all of the Old Testament imagery. Rainbow covenant with Noah. I'm not going to destroy the earth with a flood. Uh, he's shining like, like jewel stones. He's on a throne. We have the throne room imagery. He has the scroll. What's the deal with the scroll? Some of the writings on the outside, some on the inside. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get a little too into nitpicking like, well, the writing on the outside is the history that's revealed that we know about. And the writing on the inside is the history that we don't know about. Maybe. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good guess at what that symbolism could mean. But the real question is, is that what the original readers thought it was? And whatever it is, it was in his right hand. Mm -hmm. And we know that Mm -hmm. the right hand in the Old Testament, it's the right hand of authority. It's the right hand of blessing. And so what he has in his hand is the right hand of authority and a blessing. And it's sealed up with seven seals. Why seven? Why not six? Why because it's completely sealed up and there's only one person that can open this scroll. All of a sudden these symbols they come together and they they acquiesce in a way that Mm -hmm. means something to the original readers. Beautiful.
3: Yeah. Richard, what are you getting here? Well, again, I just want to amen everything you said. One of the things I also, in, in our own figures of speech, we, do, we say weird things. Mm-hmm. Like perhaps the first time you fall in love, you said, when I saw her, my heart stood still. No, you did not have a heart attack. Right. Mm. But it was as momentous as if you had. Yeah. Or I think about mom, you know, I couldn't get away with anything because she had eyes in the back of her head.
0: Yeah. Mm. But,
3: you know, yeah. And again, that's getting exactly at what's going on here. So we also use weird symbolism to talk about things that are, are actually quite important because, you know, it would be very creepy if mom had eyes in the back of her head, but I'm really glad she did because she got me out of a whole lot of trouble, mm-hmm. you know. And and, and so, um, and again, I'd say go back and take a look. I mean, when I was, you were talking about all the seals and, and there's one spot where the prophet munches on the scroll and it tastes good going down, but it doesn't sit well with the stomach. Mm-hmm. Well, That's right back in Ezekiel again, mm-hmm. you know. And so, again, the whole business where I was saying about everything comes together in this big mashup, uh, one of the things the Hebrews like to do is make sense of a story with another story. Um, And so all this over-the-top stuff is because when Ezekiel saw it, the whole point was, here we are in Babylon, and it feels like, you know... Um, at this point, I guess it was Persia and, and, you know, and and the the Persian emperor and and their gods were in charge. So all of a sudden, Ezekiel gets this whale of a vision and says, no, guess again. Yep. And by the way, I'm watching. That's all the ice stuff. Yep. You know, and then uh, Isaiah, the same thing. His people are falling apart and he's wondering, well, God, where are you? One day he's in the temple and God shows up and says, hey, first of all, you can't box me in this temple. I'm bigger than that. Right. You know, and and so all of a sudden, if you get those stories, you get the stories of where God has been powerful, where God has been faithful,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and if He's if He did it, then He can do it again.
2: And we have a pharaoh. We have uh, we have an exile. We have Rome. Mm-hmm. The, there's these these themes that are happening in history, and if God can do it, then in Egypt and in Babylonia in Rome and occupation then he can do it again. And it gives us this hope for our Rome, our Egypt, our Babylonia. And
0: and our hope is in the lion. So look at chapter five as we wrap up. Here here he is, uh, chapter five, verse five. Stop weeping because here comes the power. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, the lion's king of the jungle. He's, he's the lion king. He's won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And so we have the scroll, we have the seven seals. We're going to get into the, the. there's other sevens that we've already seen. And then we're going to get into the seven bowls and, and the seven trumpets. And and next week, that's as we turn the page. For now though, here's the lion. So we have full power of God. That's how you can get a glimpse of heaven. That's how you can know that you're going to sing the song, holy, holy, holy. That's how, you, that's how I know, how, how you know, how our listeners know. It isn't because of us. It's because of the lion. It's because yeah. he comes with the power. Think of Chronicles of Narnia. The lion shows up and he is Jesus. He's Aslan. That's Jesus in Chronicles of Narnia. But then, just like Jesus, right? Big surprise. Next verse. But then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. I thought it was a lion. Mm. But now it's the sacrificial lamb. So how does God redeem the world? How does he save us? How does he conquer death? With the power of a lion, but the sacrificial blood of a lamb. Who, by the way, has seven horns representing uh, royalty and has seven eyes, meaning he sees all the churches. He sees all that we do. He's got eyes in the back of his head like your mom, Richard, right? He, we don't get away with anything, and yet he's still loves us. Mm. He still he still loves us. This mm. is such a good start to such a good book and there's more to come. Um, you know, and we haven't even gotten to the rapture yet or, no. or, or to the, the millennial millennium or, or, or the tribulation or any of those things, but that's because it's not here yet. We, some of that stuff, including the Antichrist and the rapture, might not be anywhere actually in the book of Revelation, but stay mm. tuned for that. Look for it as you're reading uh, as we go and keep reading, uh, keep diving into God's word. It's, uh, it's so good uh, and, it, and it's so hope-filled. So let's hold on to that hope. Happy Thanksgiving for those of you who are seeing this live, and we'll see you this weekend at worship.
1: Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.